It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Good morning, Elevate Church. How are we this morning? Good. Okay, follow-up question straight out of the gate. Who likes good news? Anyone? Okay, half of you. All right, not bad, not bad. Thought it'd be a few more, but you know, got to start somewhere, Moira, I guess. I mean, come on, who doesn't like good news, right? Reality though, and you know this, but let me remind you, is that sometimes good news can be hard to find. For example, the news. Hmm. Came across a study recently that uh, had been aggregating a, a group of news sources to uh, score the ratio uh, that was coming out of bad news stories compared with good news stories. And they discovered amongst these uh, particular news sources that the ratio of bad to good was 17 to one. That for every one good news story that made it, there was 17 bad that you had to sift through. There's actually a thing in journalism called if it bleeds, it leads. In other words, the, the gorier and the darker, the more prominent it's gonna feature in the news cycle. <laughs> and you know, as well as I do also, that good news, or sorry, that bad news isn't just limited to news outlets. Bad news can come into our lives in unexpected timings, and, and sometimes with more consistency than we might like. You know, your spouse rings you to tell you that the thing has broken again and you don't have the cash on hand to get the thing fixed. Hmm. Your boss calls you into their office to inform you that the company no longer requires your services. The doctor calls you to tell you that the test results are in but says that you'd better be better off coming in to see them for them to communicate the results. So today, we're launching a brand new series simply called Good News. And why this is important is because when good news powers your life, bad news can't destroy your life. So we want to announce the good news and have it not Ignore the bad news, but have it overrule and overrun the bad news. When good news powers your life, bad news can't destroy your life. And actually what we're gonna do between now and the run up to Christmas Eve is take a deep dive into a letter that a guy named Paul, and I'll explain who he was in a moment, wrote to uh, the church, the early church in Rome, uh, as it were. And it, this letter that he wrote is just dripping with good news. The, the big subtext of this letter is how grace changes everything. And I'll cover that off as well. And, and really, it's very intentional that we're doing this in the run up to, to Christmas to give us an opportunity as we focus on the good news of Jesus, that we're preparing our hearts to celebrate that. You know, when we do so much preparation, we check off so many lists in the run up to Christmas. Let's ensure that our heart preparation is at the top of our agenda. As we go. So if you've got your Bible or Bible app, uh, you can pop that open to Romans 
chapter one. So this is the letter that Paul, now Paul was like an entrepreneur of the early church. He would launch churches from scratch in key cities around the known world. Uh, He would then, over a period of time, identify an up and coming leader and he would mentor that leader. He would ultimately hand the, the leadership of that church over to that local leader and he would move on to launch other churches. He kept it, in contact with the churches he launched, however, uh, by visits and or uh, in the form of letters. And we are very fortunate to have a collection of his letters in what we now call the New Testament, the new part of the Bible. And this is the one he wrote to the church in Rome. Fun fact, you won't get an exam on this, but he didn't actually launch the church in Rome. It kind of just popped up uh, organically, what we call in the vegetable gardening space, a volunteer. Just, you put compost up and a tomato bush arrives. You're like, I didn't plant that. It's like, this is how it was. This, this uh, volunteer church just popped up in Rome and, and Paul actually wrote to them, given that he didn't actually know them and know where they're at, he wrote this letter to them to give them like the big picture overview of what Jesus coming into this earth actually meant for them. It's like, if you didn't know this, you need to know this. And so we're gonna take a dive into that. And I'm just going to start right here. This is what Paul kind of tees off with. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line and he was shown to be the son of God, hello, when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, the Lord. So this is Paul saying right off the bat, look, It's good news when your investment portfolio increases in value. Um, It's good news when you get the promotion. It's good news when your spouse accepts your apology. I mean, these things are all good news, but Paul's saying they are good news, but this is the good news. This is the one that sits above all of them. The good news is about Jesus, God's Son. Now, question, has anyone ever had someone come up to them and tell you and, and, and lead with this statement? Um, <clears throat> listen, um, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Which do you want first? How many of you are on team good news first? Ange, you only, really, Julie? What, you're not? Oh, who's on team bad news first? Yeah, see, I, I get it, I get it. You're like, come on, I can take a punch. I know it's probably gonna knock me down, but then the good news is gonna revive me and bring me back up, right? But here's the thing, you're miss, what you're missing is sometimes if your team good news first, you might get so swept up in the good news that the person just forgets to even tell you the bad news. It's like, oh, there was something else I meant to tell you. I, I can't even remember what it was now. And you're like, I dodged the bullet on that one. Anyway, whichever way you are, I understand. I gotta say this though, Paul in this letter to the church in Rome, he was team bad news first. In fact, right in this first chapter of his letter, uh, what he writes to the church there, uh, big brain Bible scholars actually refer to it as the night. Like, Paul, things are getting pretty dark. And it's like, yeah, I know, I meant that. In fact, so intentional he was because good news is actually even gooder when it's compared to bad news. It's like, if there's no bad news, then good news is good. But if it's like there was bad news, but then here's good news, the good news is even gooder, right? I mean, you know, the, 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 
the boss brings you into their office and says, uh, <clears throat> that's the bad news. Uh, your position in the company, uh, we've had to actually make that position uh, redundant. It's not you, it's us. However, uh, we're launching a brand new department and we've created a position for you and if you're willing to take it, it's available, it's all yours and it comes with a pay increase. And you're like, well, that good news just got gooder. Doctor calls you in, says, yeah, you know that pain you've been feeling in your wrist? Bad news is it's a fracture. You're like, oh, well, that explains it, great. Good news is though, little Velcro cast, couple of weeks, you'll be fine, plus... Uh, your employers just inform me that it's covered by workers' compensation. So just think of it like a two-week vacation, catch up on your Netflix. And you're like, well, that good news just got gooder. It got gooder because it actually overrode the bad news. So Paul starts with the bad news before he gets to the good news. Well, here comes the night. What happened was this. Insert theatrical dark music. No, no, no. People knew God particularly perfectly well. But when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all. Uh-huh, yeah, we know some people like that. But they were illiterate regarding life. In fact, they traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in his hands for cheap figurines you can buy at any roadside stand. In the media right now, you probably caught this, there's a lot of talk about the great resignation that's happening in, in, in many parts of the world. This Paul is starting to say, well, I'm gonna call it the great departure, where people who had the opportunity to have a relationship with God, people who had the opportunity to worship God, actually moved away from God and started this process of a great departure, which began with step one of people abandoning God. I mean, you don't need God if you know it all, right? I mean, in, in fact, if you know it all, technically you are God. So, hey, you don't need to worship another God if you're God. So this is what people did. Doing their own thing, going their own way, and playing by their own set of rules. And, 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 and I wanna just make sure that you're not looking at them down your noses because this is true for all of us. This is true for all of us that, that at times we think we know better than God and we put ourselves up and we kind of just push God to the side. And in this step, we abandon God. But here's the thing about God. This is what he responds with. He said in effect, well, <clears throat> if that's what you want, then that's what you get. God actually removed his hand of protection, said, look, you wanna do it your way? Go for it. Give it a go and uh, maybe I'll check back with you and see how it's going, maybe. So God releases us. Just be my guest, you know. Well, it wasn't long before they were living in a pig pen smeared with filth, filthy inside and out. And all of this because they traded the true God for a fake God and worshiped the God they made worshipped the job they had, worshipped the money they put in their bank account, worshipped how they looked in social media, worshipped how many certificates their kids got compared to the other kids, worshipped all of these sorts of things instead of 
the God who made them. And then the night continued. He actually called them out on some specifics. I'm not gonna put it on the screen, but here's some of the, the list of things that people were doing when they moved away from God. Listen, see if any of these sound familiar. Not, not you, of course, but someone you know. You know, listening for a friend. Vicious backstabbing. Envy. Bickering. You know, I'm describing Christmas lunch for some of you people. <laughs> Cheating. Mean-spirited and bullies. It's like, oh, yeah. I gotta go to that workplace tomorrow and those six things, my company ticks all of them. It's like, yeah, that's right. This was happening then and it still happens now. You're like, sounds a lot like politics to me. Yeah, it does, yeah. Could be anything, but it, but it could be us as well. We've been guilty of vicious backstabbing and envy and bickering and cheating, being mean-spirited, being bullies. By the way, this is the PG version. He had a longer list. I left some of the sort of uh, more adult content out. You can read it for yourself, highly recommend it. And what happened was this, when God just said, give it a go, let's see how it goes. You do it your way. Well, step three led to death and dysfunction and disaster. See, no surprises there. When we abandon God and think that we know better than Him and He lets us do it, it's no surprise that we don't get the results that God had intended for us. Instead, we just get these kind of low-level earthly results at best, but actually often is far worse than that. Now, Paul then goes on into what we now call chapter two and tells the church in Rome that living this way, in fact, he says, we're all going to face God's judgment one day, all of us. However, living this way means that you're gonna be judged pretty poorly and you can't escape that. So just don't think that you can escape that. In fact, confront it now while you still can, before it's too late. Then he goes on to say that, that religion can't save you, that you setting up a list of rules and, and practices and traditions and rituals and thinking that you can do all those things that look good on the outside, but still live like this going on in your own personal life, that's not gonna work. You, you can't just kind of paper over the cracks if you like. Now, if we stopped reading this letter at the end of chapter two, you'd be like, man, that Paul is a real wet blanket. Like, is this right and it's just to bum us out? Because, I mean, I'm two chapters in and I don't think I care to keep reading. I mean, this is just awful. It's like, yeah, that's why it's called the night. It's called the night, though, because a new day is about to dawn. Paul's about to shift gears and we keep reading and he says, okay, all right, okay. That's the bad news. We get it, we got it, that's the bad, okay. Okay, now let's get on to... The good news, the night is over. In fact, the word good news in the original Greek, I'm gonna make, you know, impress you even more than usual, is this word euangelion. Now, this word euangelion actually wasn't like a, a, a church word or a spiritual word. It was actually a word that was used in the context of battle. That uh, battles normally took place in sort of like, away from where people lived, you know, sort of out, out in the battlefield, so to speak. And what would happen is when, if, if your uh, side, your people, if, if your people won the battle, then a messenger would be sent from the battlefield and sent 
back to you, you the people in your town, in your village, to announce the Evangelion, to let you know that the battle is over and you won, that your team won. And so, so Paul, right in this moment, is about to become that messenger. And he's about to deliver the Evangelion, the good news. In fact, in the message translation, what we're about to get into, the headline says, God has set things right. So just when you attempted to stop reading, this is the headline. God has set things right. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record of sinners, yeah, yeah, Paul, you, you, you kind of covered that, uh, and proved that we, were, <laughs> we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us, yeah, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He, he got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. Is that some good news, all right? Yeah, come on, come on. Come on, white people. Respond like a black man, come on. It's great news. This is it. Step one. We've had the great departure. Now God's bringing in the great reconciliation, the great restoration, the great reparation. And it starts with us being reminded or informed that God accepts us, even despite the dumb things we've thought, said, and done, that God had a vision for us. We departed from the vision. He didn't, he didn't recommend it. He allowed it, but ultimately, when, when, when things got so bad that, that it was obvious that we couldn't help ourselves, we couldn't get back into a right relationship with God, He did it for us and reminded us right off the bat that He accepts you. All right, really? Huh, really? But I did all that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. God says, yeah, I know, I was watching. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. And then this next sentence is one of the most important sentences in the entire Bible. And that's a big statement, I know. But it's one of the most important sentences in the entire Bible. Having faith in Jesus sets us in the clear. Religion doesn't set us in the clear. Being a good person doesn't set us in the clear. Joining a team and serving in your church doesn't set us in the clear. In fact, what it is, is God's actually put a gift out for us. And what we need to do is understand that all, all that's required of us, that the heavy lifting's been done. In fact, in the, about the 1600s, uh, there was a guy named Martin Luther and he started reading this. He was a Catholic kind of scholar dude. He started reading this Have it, ha, because he came from a, a tradition of Christianity that taught that we are saved by both faith and works, by what we believe and by what we do. Now, what we believe should inform what we do, but the, he was coming from a tradition that said, no, no, you, those are the two things required for salvation. And then he read this. And it stopped him in his tracks, Martin Luther. And, and, and oh, 
it's actually not about what we do. It's about what Jesus did and us having faith that his dying on the cross, taking our place is what set things right. Huh. So step two of the great reconciliation is that we accept God's gift. That in moment, it's called salvation. It's a churchy word. This is where you might maybe hear some people say, oh, I got saved when I was 21 or I got saved when I was at a youth camp or I got saved. What that, that person is saying, that, that, it, that it was a moment in time where they made a personal decision to say, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you're the son of God and I believe you died in my place and you took my sins. And because you did that, God's forgiven me and I'm now able to have a, a relationship with him. And, and in fact, this moment of salvation brings in another church word called righteousness. Now, righteousness simply means that we are now right with God. But again, despite what we've done and not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus has done and we accept His gift, we are made right with God. It's kind of like this. It's like your teenager phoning you up. They're out with their mates and they realise that the pocket money didn't go quite as far as they were hoping it would. And they kind of overspent things a little. And they give you a call and they say, Mom, Dad, uh, can you transfer 100 bucks into my account, please? And you think to yourself, you didn't earn this $100. I earned this $100. This is mine. But because you love them, you transfer the $100 to them. And there's nothing they did to deserve it. In fact, they may have even done some stuff that disqualified from getting that. But you transferred it anyway. You took what you had done and what you had earned and you actually deposited it into their account. That's exactly what Jesus does with us. He did the death bit. He did the hard stuff. And he deposited the victory that he earned into our account. And then get this. God sets things right. Great. And then he also makes it possible for us to live in this rightness. See, Salvation is a step, but it's not the final step. It's not like, okay, I'm saved. See ya. It's like God will now start to give you the power and the ability and the opportunity to grow. And, and it, this is a church word called sanctification, which simply means that God ultimately wants to continue to transform us into the image of His Son, Jesus that we'll grow in the fruit of the Spirit, that we'll grow in peace and joy and love and kindness and self-control and the list goes on, that we'll grow in those things, that we'll grow in our ability to serve other people, that we'll grow in our faith, that we'll grow in our ability to be good news, that that process continues, but it's still it's powered by God. He makes it possible for us to live in this righteousness. Now, we're gonna jump into other parts of Paul's letter to the Roman church in the next few weeks. But let me, let me go right to the end and I'll finish with this. Paul does a, a mic drop kind of thing. He starts with the bad news. He then transitions to talk about the good news and then he finishes his letter saying, God's invitation or God's gift is good news, the good news of Jesus. And then he extends an invitation, not just to follow him, he extends an invitation to us to 
be good news to other people. Now, don't put your hands up, please, because the person you're about to put your hand up to might be sitting near you. Uh, Hopefully not. But just think for a moment. We won't spend too long on this. But have you ever met somebody who tells you they're a Christian, but they're not really very good news? You know that guy, that girl. God gives us an invitation not just to accept the good news, an invitation to actually be the good news, to actually live with joy like we've received good news. Because good news evokes something in us. To actually live with peace like we've received good news. To actually serve other people like we've received good news. And, and so this idea and this uh, lead up to celebrating the birth and the gift of Jesus uh, is, is about us and it's about others. And uh, I'm really excited and, 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 and uh, looking forward to taking us on that journey over the next few weeks. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.